I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. We're the guys from that film stew, and this is our latest episode where we look at some of the most recent news stories from the world of film and television. In today's show, The Impossible has happened as Mission Impossible 8 has been delayed. The Henry Cavill-led Highlander reboot moves forward. Marvel Studios has taken a long, hard look at itself, and we could see some changes on the horizon, starting with Daredevil. And Gargoyles are getting the live-action treatment on Disney+. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. So, Luke, how about you kick things off? What is our first movie topic? Mission Impossible 8 has been delayed a year to May 23rd, 2025, and will be retitled. Notice how I'm not saying Dead Reckoning Part 2 anymore? <laughs> It's, uh, it's his man. If, if you recall, how annoyed was I? And I'm getting very frustrated with all these two-parter movies that end on these cliffhangers that I have to wait almost a year for. Um, so I was already annoyed because, um, yeah, you know what? Despite it not doing hot stuff at the box office, I thought Dead Reckoning Part 1 was pretty fantastic. That was a very thoroughly enjoyable film. And the way it ended, it was like, give me more. Like, where is this second half? It's not far away, though, or is it? Yeah, it's further away. Yeah. More than a year from now, like May 2025. All right, so far. So far away. And, yes, we reviewed it, and I loved it. Honestly, cannot wait to watch it again, but to see it a second time, Dead Reckoning Part 1. I mean, I feel like... Where the title is concerned, they've already made that commitment to suddenly not follow through with Dead Reckoning Part 2. Seems a bit odd, but apparently it is what's happening, and that's that's why this next movie is referred to as Mission Impossible 8 until we get an actual title. More from Paramount, though. They've also pushed A Quiet Place Day 1 to June 28th, 2024. And I feel as that's kind of where Mission Impossible was going to come out, whether it was like March, April, June, that time of the year. So has that, that's been pushed back still as well, though, even though that's landing. Oh, actually, no, that, yes, that has been pushed. Yeah, that, okay, that was March, and they pushed it to the end of June. Right, yep. And this is not John Krasinski. This is... Is this a it's a prequel, isn't it? Like it's what's well, it's, it's about the first day, like when I guess the aliens arrive, almost like an outbreak kind of it'd be like an outbreak kind of hook. So it'd be oh, I guess the I assume the premise is focusing on the very first immediate impact of everything happening. Um and hopefully they don't just address that in the first fifteen minutes of the movie and then move on. <laughs> so I think that's what this point the point of this is. But that's the only um, scheduling we have. Like, I feel like some I, episodes, there is a long list of movies that are getting rescheduled. For the time being, it's just those two at Paramount. Yeah, well, at least, I don't know, usually when they get when they get moved, they don't always get a new title. So, <laughs> oh, so it's just a double whammy. I'm just, I'm just concerned, like, just going back to Mission Impossible, like, you know, you've got, like, the Blu-rays, the DVDs, posters, 
you know, like when they put it out on streaming, are they going to drop the part one thing? Is it just going to be called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning? What happened? I mean, they, they, no longer, <laughs> they no longer need part one if they are going to retitle part two. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off buying. Hopefully I can still buy a physical media of it until they produce some copies without the part one. But we'll I mean, see this is how we go. Paramount, not Disney. So for the time That's being, true. at least, we can still get physical oh, media fast. in Australia. <laughs> um, all right. Samaritan 2 is in development at Amazon MGM Studios with Sylvester Stallone attached to return as producer and lead star. I mean, we did a review on this movie as well. And just to remind you, if you hadn't checked that out, I I wasn't a big fan of this. It was okay, but I didn't love it. I'm not really in line to get more of it, but this was probably more in your sort of wheelhouse. Are you keen for this? Well, I was... Mainly because it's still on. No, well, yeah, well, I'm a big fan of still on. I'm more in line with you, your take on that first movie. It didn't do too much for me. It was like it it was combining... Two things that I really like, Stallone and Superheroes. And there's a twist in that movie, which was overly predictable. And it just, I don't know, it just, it didn't have enough going for it. So I didn't think it was the best movie. The fact it's getting a sequel generally took me me by surprise. But it's it's happening. I mean, you know, I I guess I'm more interested knowing Stallone is back than if he wasn't going to return. But yeah, did not know this was coming at all. What do you think to Amazon MGM Studios? I think they like could have probably. Is what they're called. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is. I think maybe they could have done better. Maybe. I mean, we know Amazon purchased MGM. It just, I don't know. It's like we want to keep both things in the title and chuck studios. Well, it's in like. The end. Amazon is is the company. That's who they are. That's their identity. And then there's like some prestige that comes with MGM. It's like, hey, look, we are part of affiliated. We now own. We've got, you know, MGM. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's but, very on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you see exactly what they've done. But you're right. Like maybe something more fluid. But hey, you know what? It's better than Max. Better than, yeah, it is. Peacock. Oh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, no, they're no, no, Pe- streaming Peacock. Services. Peacock makes sense. We all know, it you know, does the if you NBC know what the logo of NBC logo. looks like, but yeah, if you okay. don't, it's just weird. It's just their a mouthful. But again, all. they're streaming services, so they're not really fair comparisons. But <laughs> yeah, this anyway. is Amazon MGM Studios. There we go. Uh, Lionsgate is moving forward with their Highlander reboot from John Wick director Chad Stahelski, starring Henry Cavill. The studio is reportedly planning to make the film with a budget of $100 million. There we go. Highlander is a franchise. That first movie is one that I like very much. I enjoyed the TV series with Adrian Paul in the 90s. There was various <laughs> spin-offs. But when you get to Highlander 2, The Quickening, Highlander 3, there's various cuts of that movie, Endgame, there's a couple of others. Highlander, for me, starts off as this really strong film that just loses 
its way. But I'm intrigued, though, what we can get from a Henry Cavill-led Highlander film. There's a lot of mythology to this franchise, you know, especially from that first movie, and then you know the stuff that's introduced, like the is his cousin in the TV series, Duncan, the cousin that's right. of his brother or something. I don't know. It's his it is. cousin. Um, yeah, but you know, there's there's something very epic about Highlander. You know, like the whole you know these immortals, but it's like they can only be one, and then like hundreds of years later, they have to fight to the death. It's all you know. There's something crazy here. To to go back and revisit, you know, restart this this story and and maybe give it some some sequels that actually deserve to be watched more than once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that, <laughs> that would be I mean, nice. It's a franchise that I've watched a lot of. Like again, like I've seen most of it. Even you know the animated series with Connor McLeod. I've seen that one as well. But there wow. is, yeah, yeah, man. I used to watch it all the time, but the. The first movie, like they were immortals. That was the whole thing. Mm. You can only kill an immortal by cutting off their head. I Any mean, injury, they can survive. Well, didn't they? Or do we not? That's talk the about thing. That? That's Highlander <laughs> Two: The Quickening. It's revealed that aliens, and Maybe then they won't go down that route again. <laughs> but then there's different cuts. There's like the renegade version, like different cuts of that second movie. But then when Christopher Lambert came back for the third movie. They ignored the fact that they're aliens. And whether right. it's TV, comics, whatever, they don't reference them being aliens again. It's like from that first movie to have them be aliens, ridiculous. But I do like Highlander as a franchise, but mainly based off of that first movie and the TV series from the 90s with Adrian Paul. Yeah, and I think having, having Cavill in... Which I'm assuming the lead role um, uh, will work fine. Look, I I didn't get into like the Witcher TV series and stuff, but I've seen snippets and like you know his sort of look, demeanor, kind of being in that kind of of, of like world. I guess that fantasy, you know, like swords and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, you can see it. He looks it. You, you can really see. I think he can do well, and, and like, he's just great. Otherwise, I did read something where it was like you know you've got Chad. Stahelski as as the you know the director here, obviously he's done John John Wick, but it's actually been described as look the idea is we're kind of gonna just do John Wick but with swords, and that's an exciting premise. So I'm I'm there for that if that's what they. Oh, I don't know if I with. want that. I want the director <laughs> of John Wick directing Highlander, but I don't. I don't know. I I don't want John Wick with maybe. Swords. Maybe they're referring to like you know like the visual, the type like of action, action kind yeah. of you know where it's going to be lots of quick cuts and well not even I wouldn't even say John Wick has that but just very choreographed like the fight scenes will actually be something that's designed and put not just hey clank your swords together and you, you know, know showing that first movie to it. when the swords would connect and the sparks. They had batteries with cables running up the actors' arms connected to the swords. That, I mean, I don't think that's how they're going to do it now, but that's how they did it back in the eighties. Madness. Is that what they did with Power Rangers when, like, they would get hit and they go? Could... <laughs> oh, with the sparks. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what I think of. Whenever Power Rangers, sparks. <laughs> whenever their nylon costumes would get struck and there were sparks, I mean, they just go up in flames, aren't they? Highly flammable. 
<laughs> but they weren't really spandex. That's <laughs> I mean, I know it's supposed to be anyway. Look, why are we talking about Power Rangers? We're talking about how we have a problem. We have <laughs> a severe problem. Anyway, um, all right. Now you see me. Three is moving forward. There's a lot of moving forward. There's movies moving back, but there's a lot of moving forward. Uh, now you see me. Three is moving forward at Lionsgate with Ruben Fleischer directing and Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, and Morgan Freeman reprising their roles do you like these movies i've seen the first two once and i thought they were yes. okay sure i like the first one until the end and then i just kind of got pissed off because the ending was not warranted in any way so that just peed me off which put me off even allowing myself to enjoy the second one so i'm and not here to with... but and that's Daniel Radcliffe, isn't it, in the second one? Yeah, he's in it. Isn't he the... I forget, is it a is it a twist reveal if I say what character he's kind of playing? I or? don't think anybody cares. I'm even starting to question why I've included this in the, in the news <laughs> oh, in wow. the first place. Well, look, Daniel Radcliffe has a villain. Yeah. That was an exciting element of yeah. that second movie. But the cast. I, I mean, don't remember and... if that was a twist or not, or just... It, I, I think it was, yeah. Because but I've only seen it, it once. And it was a long time ago. I mean, both one and two are streaming, and I've been tempted, but I haven't yet watched them a second time. It's interesting for me, for the cast. I'm pretty sure I'm blanking on his name. Michael Caine. Michael Caine was in those first two, wasn't he? Yeah, as 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 like an advisor kind of. I don't remember what the hell his point of his character was, but he was someone they kind of went to, spoke to. Yeah. He had wise words. I'm just yeah. going to use this story, just to acknowledge the fact that Sir Michael Caine has now retired. I think he's like 90, early 90s. How has he actually retired? He's actually retired, yeah. So oh he's God. not what coming back. Nolan do? <laughs> he's not coming back for number three. But there you go. Now you see me. Not all films become a trilogy, but this, this film will. <laughs> <laughs> they follow a long-awaited follow-up to It Follows is officially in the works. Director David Robert Mitchell and star Micah Monroe will return for the horror sequel. This was quite surprising. And with this announcement, they put out a teaser poster, which, to be fair, is a all black, but it's got the font. And just like the movie It Follows, it says they follow. Have you seen that first movie? Easy. I have, I have. Now this is a it's a really surprising film to get a to get a sequel and kind of be treated like, oh, this is a franchise now. But that first movie, look, I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan in terms of, hey, like I really enjoyed that movie, but there was a lot to appreciate in in the way of, hey, this is quite like you know, it's it's an artsy kind of you know, it feels like an independent. Well, I mean, it is like it was an independent, and it feels like it. It, it just it has a certain quality of like, hey, look, this is filmmaking. Someone is making a film rather than oh, look, this is a this is a slasher horror film that we get to all eat some popcorn and, and just have a good time with. That's what it is, and I appreciated what they're doing there. But because of all of that, it didn't lend itself to be like, oh yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's let's franchise this and make make more of them. I know it's been like a handful of years now, but it's very surprising. I don't really think it needs a second one, but I mean, look, if they've got 
more to tell. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got characters returning, however many of them or whatever. Like it's, yeah, maybe there's something here. I don't and know. that's it. It's the it's the direction star of that first movie coming back. I came to it late. People had been recommending it for years. And it was I really was, praised, wasn't it? Absolutely. And I think it was baby around this time last year. I thought, Do you know what? I'll I'll watch it. Yeah, I thought it was good, but you're right. It does have that indie raw feel to it. And I can see why people were recommending it, but generally surprised at this news of a sequel. The title, it works from it follow <laughs> to they follow. Escalation. I like it. <laughs> coming back in numbers. It's growing. <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll move on to a few like uh I guess like lesser stories, even though you put that. Now you see me three one up there, but that's all right. Um, there's a <laughs> there's a Porky Pig, there's a Porky Pig and Daffy Duck um, movie on the horizon. Moving forward, um, <laughs> they're gearing up for the big screen. In this is what it's called: the day the Earth blew up, a Looney Tunes movie. Now, what's interesting about this is that this will be the first ever fully animated Looney Tunes movie feature length film created for a movie theater audience. So we've had in the theaters hybrid live action animation just twice yeah space jam and space, no three times the two space jam movies and uh Looney Tunes back in action we've had i think a handful of like i guess i call them movies like Looney Tunes movies but obviously just on the small screen so this is interesting yeah not yeah, really it, sure who it's for it like, is a, a Looney Tunes still really big I like, like me some bugs bunny I and stuff, but love <laughs> Looney Tunes and I'm a 39-year-old man, so I know I'm not the target <laughs> audience. But my my kids, my youngest especially, likes Bugs Bunny, Lola Bunny, Looney Tunes, all of that. And yeah, I was gonna join in earlier, but you was having a conversation with yourself when you were going through the movies that have been on the big screen. <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah, Looney Tunes back in action, which was the last big movie that Joe Dante got on the big screen, which is a crime. I'm really hoping uh, we can get him back on the big screen someday. But this is a film that I think around about the time of Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2, they were talking of shelving this movie. Uh, but now they're back talking about it again, and it is getting the big screen treatment. But it is hard to say. You know, you're asking like, who who wants this movie because what a couple of years ago we got the the animation hybrid live action Tom and Jerry movie, and I think that did well enough. But I feel like Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry, yeah, I, I don't know how big of an audience. There is with kids, but I like these characters, and I'll I'll go and see it. And and you'll drag your kids. To That's it, That's it. and the, I'll buy popcorn. So yeah, if enough parents <laughs> take their kids, you'll keep the cinemas <laughs> open. It's fine. There we go. Um, on the small screen, though, we've had our first look at the bad guys. A very bad holiday, releasing November thirtieth on Netflix. The original. Movies cast, do not return. So this does feel like, you know, they did The Lion King 2. Like when Disney went through that phase of not necessarily sure, yeah. bringing the main actors back. It was a incontinuity continuation, but like director video. 
That's pretty I mean, much it, what this is. But I did like that first movie. And ahead of that movie, my eldest is really into the books. So I was familiar with the bad guys already. And I did enjoy that film. Yeah. Look, it, everything about this just yells, it's a bit cheaper. Looks cheaper. It's going to sound cheaper. Um, but I mean, look, if, if it works as, you know, like keep this keep this IP alive sort of with other media besides the books and it keeps growing, you know, like then all good. Like let it, let it do its thing. Um, yeah. I didn't mind that first movie either. I didn't, it wasn't like incredible for me, but like, it was fine. It was something to, something to watch with the kids that worked. Disney released the first image of the live action Snow White, um, which revealed the CGI take on the seven dwarves. And I must say, you know what? The Snow White dress on point. Um, despite what people are saying, Snow White herself, Rachel Ziegler, does look pretty gorgeous as Snow White. And you know what? Quite white and pasty. That's all I'll say. That's what she looks like in this I image. Mean, Let's leave that in there. that picture. Yeah. The the CGI dwarves though, kind of terrifying. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, well, it it they... looks animated. Well. I, mean, I know it. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, I know, but I mean, I know it is, but <laughs> but it looks animated. But anyway, along with that picture, there was also the announcement that the movie's been delayed by a year. Oh yeah, was that part of the story? I was meant to say. Whoops, my bad. That's no, okay. I just didn't include it in what you have in front of you. But um, oh, it wasn't written that's... down. Very good. Very good. I, <laughs> I wrote it part. down. I wrote it down elsewhere. But you know, the film has been delayed. I'm not in a hurry. I saw The Little Mermaid on the big screen. I'm not in a hurry to watch another live-action <laughs> Disney movie. Yeah, I'm but, sure it'll I mean, be fine images, when it comes out. As these images come out, though, it's like, it's like, oh, okay, like this is what the movie's going to look like. And, you know, like whenever they announce something, you start creating images in your head of what you think it's going to look like. And then they release something, you're like, look, again, that dress, on point. Like it looks like, okay, yeah, this really is Disney's live-action version. But then you get these horrifying looking, and I'm not saying they look bad; they're just kind of scary. They look like giant gnomes. Yeah, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> it, it is, it is a weird design. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this right, and this is not a reflection on Rachel Zegler at all. But most actresses, I'd find it hard to believe that you'd have Gal Gadot being jealous of their beauty. It is, it is tricky. It's a struggle. It yeah. Anyway. And, and I can't believe it. This will be two podcasts in a row where I mention this show, but once upon a time, right? Once upon a time, like the character the actress that plays like the Snow White character in that show, who you know what, is 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 very beautiful in, in her own right. But look, compared to the actress that plays the you know, like the evil witch, it's it is that tricky thing where it's like, look, if you're gonna make this whole thing where she's supposed to be jealous of like Snow White's beauty, like Snow White's gotta be a knockout. Like it's gotta be a knockout. But it's hard comparing it to Galgadot. That is that's tricky. But I don't know. Rachel Ziegler's pretty. She's pretty again. Anyway. Not a knock on her at all. She is. <laughs> well anyway. It's Galgadot. What can you do? David Ayello's the Rocketeer reboot. Is moving forward. Oh my god, moving forward at Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Jeez. Do you know what? I think we have an episode title. <laughs> I, yeah, I do too. Um, <laughs> the reboot is moving forward at Disney Plus with Eugene Ash writing the script. The Rocketeer, I've read the comics. I've seen the movie in the 90s. We did a review at Sounds Like Comics. I've seen the preschool cartoon with my kid on Disney Plus. I do like The Rocketeer. So I'm curious what we're going to get with with this reboot. It should be interesting, you know, like a post, um, you know, modern Iron Man kind of world that we live in, um, you know, modern effects and stuff could be pretty cool. I, like, I'm hoping if they do, like, they still have like the, you know, like the period sort of setting for it. I wouldn't want them to modernize it. But just use modern effects to, to pull it up. Modern effects, cool. but yeah, yeah but yes. Keep it, it on has, keep it. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be a period piece. I mean, that first movie, 1991, it was a Disney film, PG, directed by Joe Johnston, who did such an incredible job. We've got Billy Campbell as Cliff, Jennifer Connelly as Jenny. I really do love that first movie, but I'm I really well. I'm interested to see what they can do with a reboot because it's surprising that outside of that animated series, you know, again, it's they were skewing really young with the target audience on that one. It's quite surprising that we've had nothing else. Yeah, well, this could be the kickstart of like, hey, look, we've got a new franchise that we can milk. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Disney way. That's the Disney way, but we won't get it on physical media. Um, The Black Phone 2 is in development at Universal and Blumhouse. Yes, it is moving forward. Um, Dated for a June 27, uh, 2025 release. The sequel will be the launch of a sinister new franchise. There we go. It's all about franchises. Absolutely. Oh uh, yeah, that first movie. I was love it. Great. Yeah, I, honestly, we both watched it on the big screen. Did a review. I've watched it a second time. It's streaming somewhere. I'm blanking on where, but got to watch it a second time. It is. It's fantastic. It really is a good movie. So for them to do a sequel, you know, like most people, I'm more than happy to see a sequel to a film that I enjoyed. So bring it on. <laughs> Yeah, and look, hey, if it's crap, it's like it's all good. Still got that first one, which is great. If it's great, then well, great. We've got two good movies. So, yeah, let's see, let's see how we go, and uh, hope it's good. Uh, but look, that will do it for the the movie news. Um, let's jump straight into TV news and see what is happening on the small screen. Marvel has let go of all the writers and directors for Daredevil Born Again. The series will get an entire creative overhaul as Marvel executives, including Kevin Feige, reportedly reviewed the footage filmed so far and decided that the show wasn't working. And there's more to this, right? It's not just Daredevil. So looking at Daredevil, and I guess what shows they've put out recently, Marvel Studios now plan to make changes in how it makes TV following internal criticism. Shows will now have proper showrunners that write pilots and show Bibles, 
a focus on multi-season serialized TV rather than limited series. It's like all of a sudden they've got <laughs> this idea, they've had an epiphany. Like, why don't we make shows how everybody else makes shows? And that's going to be their their new approach. It's 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 actually it's it's mental, yeah. Like there's been this tried and true way of making TV. Let's keep it modern. Like the past fifty years, there's been a format, you know. Like (laughs) things are, and obviously things have changed with the with the streaming model, all that that kind of jazz. And this is different. This is a film studio making television, and I guess their approach has been, hey, look, let's make these films, but like the way that they then deliver it. And I think it's it's evident in the fact that the majority of these shows, bar Wonder Woman, and I guess what Daredevil was going to be, they've all been that six-episode cookie-cutter thing where it's like, look, we've got this, we've got this one story. They're either stretching it to fill six episodes or they're condensing it to fit into six episodes. Either way, it doesn't work. And the the, the time, the runtime of their shows isn't working. We've seen shows that start good, kind of go in a weird direction. Maybe the the ending doesn't land. That's a result of no one's at the helm running it. There isn't a showrunner. The the man Kevin Feige is is too stretched. There's too many projects going on. This is evident in in all the the MCU as a whole over the past, let's say. Phase four, and, and now we're in phase five. There's been some misses, there's been some hits, but Marvel used to fire on all cylinders and be fantastic. Like every entry was like, wow, that was great, that was awesome. And now we're not really getting that. This is a, I think this is a course correction that's overdue and needed. So I'm, I'm all for it. Very much ashamed to hear about the Daredevil situation though, but hopefully it's a means to an end. So I think. On top of everything I just said, they've looked at it and gone, look, what we've done so far, because I think they were like, well, like a couple months into filming or whatever, or like they had pretty much enough for the first four episodes. And then yeah. they've gone, let's and they, scrap this, go back well, to the drawing board, get new people in. They were looking at what they what they had so far, and it just played like a courtroom procedural, which is great if you're law and order. But for like, you know, Daredevil, not a Netflix show, now on Disney Plus, born again, you know, it's it's obviously not what Kevin Feige was after. So they've gone back to back to the drawing board. And again, on the back of Daredevil, just restructuring everything. Like instead of trying to make movies on the small screen, it's like, okay, we should probably make TV shows like a TV show and have a showrunner, have a show Bible, things that we need to stick to and not just make up as we go along. <laughs> I mean, better late than never. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, hopefully this is a means to a very much um, a better end. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just hoping I get shows that I enjoy again. And, you know, like, that's that's all I'm hoping for. You've, you've heard me speak about the MCU shows in recent times, like, there's things to enjoy, but there's there's 
also not quite a lot. And I think it's just rocky. It's just not a solid foundation that they're building these things on. They just they just feel like churned out. This is something, or even like the spaghetti approach. Hey, let's just throw everything out there, see what sticks, and then we'll play with that a little bit later if we want to revisit stuff. So, yeah, this is it's pretty nice. And look, with with like the strikes and stuff, I was thinking, you know, like when. Uh, I was like, Daredevil, there was delays and things already. With it going back to the drawing board, I was like, look, this does have the makings of, not saying it will happen, it does have the makings of the potential that this show is at risk of, at some point, they turn around and say, oh, look, we're just announcing that we're scrapping the Daredevil show completely. I'd be so... I don't want that to happen. But... You know, like if you go back to like what year was it? Like 2007, where there was a writer's strike. There, there's a certain, it's just like a certain mixture of things happening that puts shows on the on the chopping block. You know, like shows that are in their first year or pilots that were green lit that don't end up moving forward. They get scrapped. This is the works of. Ah, oh, look, we've already had this one big major change. Delays and stuff. Obviously, like the MCU has a certain flow that they need certain things out. It it could just be something look easier if we scrap it. Again, might not happen. Just prepare yeah. for work. <laughs> I'd definitely be disappointed, but at the same time, I just don't think I don't think it's going to happen. They've got Charlie Cox. We saw him in Spider Man No Way Home. We got yeah. him in She Hulk the first time in a Disney Plus show, and we're going to get him in, in his own show. We're never going to get a live-action Spider-Man TV series on Disney Plus, but we can have Daredevil. I just think this is a really good character for them to put on the small screen. So, yeah, delays probably, but I don't think they're going to scrap it. Well, let's keep positive there with it, and we'll, we'll just wait patiently. Now, Star Trek Prodigy has actually been saved from cancellation and will now debut on Netflix with season two coming in 2024. So, of course, we're getting... I mean, we, we have it already on Paramount Plus, right? Nope. Home of Star Trek. No, really? This is, man, th- this is crazy. Amazon, isn't it? It's Amazon. Nope, it is not. No, where the hell is this show? It <laughs> isn't streaming. This is the thing. Oh. They were making oh, season is- two... This is like when, that, the animated younger one, isn't it? It's the younger one, but it, it doesn't yes. skew as young as what I thought it was going to be. It's going to be like, it's more like a teen show. And it's really good. It's a good show. Was it? Different kind it of Star Trek Plus? show. No, it was on Paramount Plus. Right. Or did you just say that? Or did you just say Amazon? That's anyway. No, no, no. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Part so, of the problem. Part of the problem. <laughs> you said it. Paramount Plus, home of Star Trek, and this is what's crazy. Like we've just had the you know big anniversary celebration of Star Trek: The Animated Series with the original series cast from I think it was like in the seventies. So we've just had that big anniversary, and you know whether it's like Star Trek official social media, Paramount Plus, like hey Star Trek animation, yada yada yada, but at the same time. Not only did season two get cancelled during production, they removed Prodigy from the streaming service. So you could not even watch it anymore. But then after we thought all was lost, 
Netflix have come in and said, not only will we show season one, we're going to pick up season two. And as you say, it comes out in 2024. So like Paramount Plus is the home of Star Trek, except for Star Trek Prodigy. Star Trek Prodigy is the only Star Trek TV series, film, whatever, to not be available on Paramount Plus. It is strange. But we're going to get to see it thanks to Netflix. Good old Netflix coming through. Good old Netflix. Back to Disney Plus. I probably could have <laughs> um, played around with uh, with the topics a little better. Ah, a live-action Gargoyle series is in the works at Disney Plus. Gary Dauberman and James Wan will develop the series. Now, we had a bit of a false start on this maybe a month ago, and the news was Kenneth Branagh was going to direct a live-action Gargoyles movie. Turned out to be false, uh, but now we're going to get a series, and James Wan is involved. And I remember Disney Channel 90s watching Gargoyles. Really enjoyed the show. Sounds like comics. We did do a full review. So many cast members from Star Trek are in Gargoyles. Excellent. Yeah, that's a great, great show. What do you think? Live action. I mean, they're popular again. Like we're getting comics. I think it's. I think is it IDW Boom. One of those are putting out monthly Gargoyles comics. I think like you know, like with Disney Plus, hey, there's a lot of you know the back catalog of of Disney shows and movies and stuff like that. One of the the things that I heard a lot of chatter about was like, oh, I get to go back and check out Gargoyles again, and people were really pumped about it so you're right i think there is a bit of a, a resurgence of the popularity this is a show that definitely prime for a live action treatment like you can already see it like it it, it kind of just works like there's nothing in this that is like in the cut in the cartoon or the animated animated show it wasn't cartoony there's nothing goofy about it like it's very i think grounded in a very fan fantastical sort of way but it's like it, you've got people you've got you know like you've got the the flashbacks to you know like the the castle days let's just call it that and then you've got like the modern city kind of setting and then you've just got these concrete kind of beasts that turn into fleshy kind of beasts it it works it really prime for it when we're talking about kenneth Branagh, like i remember i was saying you know perfect his shakespearean sort of take on things would really come in handy with this this could be fantastic but now we're talking James Wan, the horror element, the horror side of this can also be a really big factor. I think as long as they've got some good writing behind it, they can they can use his skill set to to really deliver something special here, which will be cool. I remember this show for me it was it was Saturday Disney, and then I think it was on like the on the weekdays Cheese TV at some point. Like it was it was around. Gargoyles was definitely a, a big 90s thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was one of those people, as soon as we got Disney+, Plus, one of the first things I watched was the five-part, not pilot, but like the, the, the first five episodes, it was a five-parter. It's like a movie. <laughs> absolutely. Well, it's five 22-minute episodes. Yes, it absolutely plays like a movie. And, you know, the animation style, it had a feel of like Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. You know, the... You know, the males especially were drawn just like 
Bruce Tim draws them. Yeah, Gargoyles. It's a bloody good show. Like it really is a good show. So the fact that we're going to get it in live action yeah. is uh, is really cool. And again, like just like I mean, the cast is excellent. So many and so many Scooby Doo, not Scooby Doo. So many Star Trek actors. I said Scooby Doo. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Frank Welker voices the gargoyle dog but anyway oh, he's in every animated show ever it's fine if there's a dog <laughs> do you know the stephen king <laughs> adaption cujo frank welker the voice of scooby-doo is the voice or the bark of cujo as well if it's a dog what? more than likely <laughs> it's 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 frank welker oh, i've got so much that is a trivia. fun fact I now feel more fulfilled knowing that is. Oh, great. there you go, there you go. And um, here's a here's a short one. Gen V has officially been renewed for season two. That is, of course, the boys spinoff. Yeah. Now, look, the boys. I I love the boys. Fantastic show. Like the political satire, the the comic book kind of, uh, just all of that that they kind of just take the piss out of. But it's also a great, very well written show as well very graphic very violent it's awesome i have not yet started this show but i've heard so many great things so it is no surprise that i'm hearing that that a season two has has kicked off but i think the season finale of this first season is like this week or something yeah it's yeah it's uh yeah just around the corner i mean like you i also haven't started and this is my experience with the boys i always do it i'm never up to date with the boys and it's <laughs> happening with gen v as well um you like it though don't you like you're a... well i'm not seeing it i like the boys no, but yeah. I mean, like but, the boys yeah, yeah. yes yeah, yeah I, I do I, i'm just not a chore never, to get through you watching it never never in a hurry <laughs> never in a hurry but we are going to be doing a review it sounds like comics so i'll probably wait until the finale is out and then i'll binge it and then and do That's the review, but yes, season two is just confirmed. There we go, getting more Gen V. You were trying really hard not to say moving forward. <laughs> I was going to say just around the corner, but yeah, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh, either way, that can be our next episode, um, which is just around the corner. Um, Miramax has secured the TV rights for Halloween and a new film that could eventually lead to an expansive cinematic universe in all honesty i reckon just just let it be for a bit let it be we just had that trilogy of films kind of went down as the movies came out that 2018 film fantastic i think leave it a bit let's revisit this I need a break. Five at least five years yeah <laughs> yeah give us a break. I, or I need a break just yeah. go if they're going to do it, I think just a TV series. Don't be like, we're doing a TV series and a new movie. It's like, oh. You bring I mean, out a new way... movie, people are going to be like, is this the fourth one in that trilogy? Oh. That makes no sense. <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, what we're potentially looking at here is the MMCU, the Michael Myers Cinematic <laughs> Universe. It's like, just do a TV series. Like, just, you know. But I really, honestly, I do feel like we need a break from... Michael Myers from Halloween. That first 2018 movie I thought was fantastic. And then Kills loses its way a little bit and then ends. Like it ends has made me not even want to go back and watch Halloween and Halloween Kills again. I'm not even kidding, right? This Halloween, I watched the first Halloween film. 
in the original Halloween too. That was it. That was oh, yeah. my Halloween Michael Myers experience. I wanted to stay. <laughs> so this Halloween, you made her the sister. <laughs> That's it. But I wanted to stay away from the David Gordon Green movie. I, I just, I, I didn't want anything to do with that trilogy of films. So I did the original the, and the original sequel. The original premise for those movies was like the three films will be set on the same Halloween night. Like it literally would be. Like, I don't know, like a and like a twelve-hour ordeal of like just things happening, and the second one sort of fulfilled that part. And then I swear, if you watch those, those first two movies and then just watch the last twenty minutes of the third movie, great, it just works. The second movie wraps up, and then Laurie and Michael Myers just beef on, and it's epic. That's it, done. But that's not what we got. So anyway. You know, more so yeah, so more more Michael Myers. You know, we're apparently getting a Crystal Lake TV series. Ah, there you go. That's been <laughs> talked about for a while. I believe that's a peacock at least, show. At least they've let Jason rest for a bit. He's at the bottom of the lake. They'll bring him out when they're ready. It's been a few years since we had we've had some sort of Friday the thirteenth thing. Yeah, we, that reboot was Oh, what is it God, Like at least 10 years ago, right? 2009. Jesus. Longer. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah, I, like, I like that movie. Yeah. But each time I watch it, though, I always feel like I'm surprised. About half an hour into the movie, it feels like you get the opening <laughs> title <laughs> sequence. And then it's sort oh, of yeah. like the characters who you think you're going to be with for the majority of the movie, they're all gone. And then you get brand new characters. I like that film. They did a good job with that. That's back when Michael Bay had his production company. Was it like Platinum Dunes or something like that? And he was just remaking everything. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. He was doing all of them. Yeah, but you know, it does a good little run of like little modern remakes of horror films. Like it was, it was cool. It was almost like a little collection in itself i enjoyed that yeah that was good good times but anyway that's uh that's it for our news um what we've got to leave you with is some recommends what have you got for us this week well i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it horror i mean it is halloween after all at the time of recording at least it is halloween i'm recommending the enfield poltergeist this is a four-part show it is the reason I signed back up to Apple TV+. Plus. I have it for a whole <laughs> month. I'm going to make the most of it whilst I have it. Ted Lasso, The After Party, Morning Wars, all those shows. But this is the reason why I got it, The Enfield Poltergeist. It is the true story of the world's most famous poltergeist case through original audio recordings made inside the house as the events unfolded. Some of it is lip-synced by actors. I've got to be honest, I didn't know that's what it was going to be when I first started watching it, and it threw me a little bit, but then I just got into it. Everything you're hearing are real-life recordings, whether it's sounds, whether it's dialogue. It was all recorded in the house. It is so 
gripping and you've got things you've got lines of dialogue that just jump out at you it's eerie it's impactful but then you've also got just throwaway lines just people having chit chat you know just general conversations and it just feels Mm. so real and if you've seen the conjuring 2 this is what it was based on so you're going to recognize characters like Jana and and uh, all these other characters that are coming in and out of it but it is so gripping and they and they set it up really well and and again this is apple tv plus so like everything they do just looks flash and expensive so when the show is starting each episode what you get to see is the big stage but where they built the set like the living room and different rooms in the house and the camera zooms in and you're there for the whole duration. But then at the end, it zooms out again. And you're seeing that it's just four walls are put together like a stage, like a like a play. It is, it is fantastic. It is so, so gripping. And just hearing, hearing that audio. You know, we recently reviewed Five Nights at Freddy's and the questions asked, like, did you find it scary? Absolutely not. Something like this, though, it's just different. It gets under your skin. Highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, look, it definitely on my and not literal list, but a list in my mind of of go to. I, I I gotta say, I do neglect Apple TV sometimes. I think because I have to turn my PlayStation on to get to it. Um, that's why some, we often forget. But that's definitely on my list of go tos for Apple because it sounds good. You've obviously pitched it very well there, so I'm all for it. Um, with my recommendation, I'm going to keep it horror as well in the in the now uh, past Halloween. A uh, bit late, but here we are. Um, and I'm going pretty generic. New movie that, well, kind of came out a while ago, but newish. Saw X. There we go. Get straight to it. Um, I'm a fan of the Saw franchise, like the films. I do acknowledge that the, the quality of movies definitely dropped, but I still have fun when I watch them. The recent ones, the attempts to like do a very different, like, what was the last one called? Jigsaw or something? Spiral. Yes, yeah, spy. What? Well, yeah, Spiral, starring yeah. Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson, which Crazy. couldn't be any more There's... removed from what it started out being. Yeah, things in like that's an example of a movie where it's like what they've done with the franchise is that they've they're kind of missing the point of what the Jigsaw character stands for, what his traps are meant to achieve, things like that. It There was something in there where it was like, oh, this isn't really, yeah, it, yeah, this isn't achievable. Like, things aren't working. But then you've just got things like the final chapter and and the movie Jigsaw where I'm like, oh, no, this is actually just shit. <laughs> like, there's no story. There's no twist. There's no reveals. This isn't clever. It's just it's all about the traps, gore porn, all that kind of stuff. Saw X is a big return to form, um, directed by Kevin uh, Grittert. Um, Tobin Bell is back. Shawnee Smith is back. We've got Jigsaw and Amanda. This is set, I think, somewhere between Saw 1 and maybe Saw 2 or something. I don't know, somewhere in there. Um so early days, they look old as shit, but that's okay. You kind of move past that. You forgive it. This is, <laughs> this is yeah, absolutely. Because this movie focuses on the jigsaw character. It dives into well, like what he wants to achieve, what his messaging is, 
you know, stuff about his health and his internal conflict, but still sort of celebrating his character as this badass, like, you know, he's always one step ahead. Like, you you know that, you, you see things that, that are coming. The traps as well, like, they're not crazy over the top that it's like, this is nonsensical now. Like, they're still pretty... It's one of the things where I'm like, it's hard to say. It's, it's grounded, but they're like, they're still fun and crazy and gross and all, you know, what you get with Saw. But there's like, there's a groundness quality to them where it's like, this looks like something that was just built out, built out of scraps, like, which is Jigsaw's whole thing. Like, he just puts bits and pieces together and he come up with this thing. That's what these feel like. Um, there's enough there's enough genuine um like twists reveals keeps you guessing you kind of can predict a few things but then you're still kind of double sort of questioning yourself being like oh is this happening or like obviously you know like jigsaw's gonna make it out of this but how what's the deal predicting things it's pretty fun it's enjoyable this is genuinely one of the best saw sequels since Two and three, if you're a fan of those movies. I think it's in line with those in terms of quality, the spirit of Saw, the the reveals, stuff like that. Obviously, the first Saw movie is its own thing and is is glorious in its own right. But in terms of like when the series became well, like a little bit more gory, a little bit more about the traps and stuff, two and three on par with this. This movie is fantastic. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. i've got to be honest went in with low expectations seeing that mm. first saw movie on the big screen not knowing what it even was was such a thrill that was you know just a twist it's like wow nobody knew like it was such a great reveal <laughs> with the time lapse with the second film that really works for me i don't remember too much about three if i'm honest it's been a while since i've seen that one but for me watching saw x i'm like wow this really does feel like the best film in the franchise since the first one, but it can be the film that it is because it's the 10th film in a franchise because all these other films have come before it. You've got the history of Jigsaw and everything else. So it really complements this film and the victims in this film. We get to spend time with them and we see how they are wronging people, how they wronged john and gave him false hope so when they get their comeuppance yes it's still a saw film so we're you know we're moving into torture porn territory so i'm less interested in the gore if i'm honest but the story the drama like having tobin bell take center stage in a saw film is like how is it taking 10 films <laughs> but again like it, it the built to this and i just thought it was fantastic really really enjoyed it and went into it oh, okay so it's the 10th film in a franchise it's another saw film i'll give it a watch yeah i can see why you recommended it it's a really good film what's funny is that in that first saw movie and i hope i'm not spoiling anything here but i mean technically jigsaw does take center stage you know what i mean <laughs> the majority of it, the it does but we're getting not in, way, see, not in the way you're talking about yeah we're getting to see tobin bell's acting chops in this he's getting to do a yeah. lot and then you know john's got amanda and their bond and then you've got the boy oh it's it's a really oh, good film crazy. like it is a really good film and that thing where he's like you know the whole thing with jigsaw is like he's giving people a chance like he's not gonna have them pass the test and kill them anyway like if they survive they should be able to survive oh it's 
And it's very really interesting. Time, it's a good film. Like previously, you don't see what Jigsaw's actually doing behind the scenes. You don't see him watching them. You know, in the let's call it the control room. Like you just see from the point of view of the the people trapped and they're trying to get out of it. So you don't know what's happening. This one shows him, you know, like actually being like, get this person to a hospital. Like, you know, like, or like, okay, we're setting up the next trap. Like it's sort of behind the scenes of it. It's quite, yeah, very different. Very good. But still, it's, but still true it's to bad. Saw <laughs> yeah. in, in what it should be. Um, but that's it for our review of Saw X. Um, but really that's it for <laughs> another episode. Honestly, like, I'm not even kidding. Should we rate it? I, I could just, just I could just continue talking about Saw X. I feel like Should we give a number. Oh like no, I, that's not fair. We can't okay. just do it shorthand okay. like that. But um, fine, I think fine. we've missed a trick by not actually reviewing it. But it's okay. You've recommended Maybe. it. That's all right. That's part of my play. Um, that's it for another episode of that film stew. If you haven't already, check out our other shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those shows has their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of Five Nights at Freddy's and stay tuned for our upcoming review of The Marvels. Thanks for joining us for another round of movie and TV news. You've been listening to Jason. And you've been listening to Luke. We're the guys from that film stew. See you soon.